If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Nurse Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Garvin-Mayo. We are continuing our From Bedside to Non-Traditional Nursing Roles series. And today we are joined by Chris Lefebvre, who works as an oncology clinical specialist at the National Office of the Oncology Nursing Society. Chris has been an oncology nurse for more than 30 years, working clinically in the roles of staff nurse, nurse manager, and clinical nurse specialist in oncology and bone marrow transplant. Chris currently resides in Western Massachusetts and began her career at ONS in 2004. Welcome, Chris Lefebvre, to the Nurse Wellness Podcast. I'm so excited that you are here. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. And thank you for having me, Wendy. More than welcome, more than welcome. Let's get started. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to go into nursing? Oh, gosh. Um, I was inspired to go into nursing because of my grandmother. My grandmother was an LPN working at a small community hospital here in Western Mass. And she would come home, you know, when we when we were visiting, she'd she'd, we'd pick her up at the hospital and she'd come home really tired, but it still inspired me, you know, it's just hearing like what she did for the day and things like that. It really inspired me. And I had another family member who was also a nurse and I got to thinking about it and it seemed like the right track for me. Yeah. It's so interesting that the people in our lives have such an impact on our career paths. And sometimes we, we don't even realize it. So even like for myself, my mom worked in a hospital for over 30 years. Oh, and yeah. I was there in the hospital with her. She wasn't a nurse, um, but I was exposed to it. So that was where really started my journey as a nurse. Um, not even think I had to really sit down and think like, how, why did I get into nursing? You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. It's not something you usually think of. And then it's like, well, and yeah. So what was your first job when you entered the field of nursing? Did you go into typical med surge or? I a did. Well, um, I was, when I graduated from school, I went to the University of Vermont for college. 
and got my BSN. And then I started working. I wanted to move back home because I had fallen in love with the guy who ended up being my husband. And um, so I wanted to come back to this area and I wanted to work down in Hartford because I didn't want to deal with the Springfield traffic. And I ended up working at Mount Sinai. And I ended up on 8-1, which at the time was a med surge unit, but it also had 16 beds of oncology and eight beds of um, diabetes. It was an interesting mix. And there was a whole bunch of us that started at the same time, all as new grads. And we got so close and we just, it, it ended up being such a mutually supportive environment and the approach from the nursing leadership at the time at Mount Sinai, I didn't realize how much ahead of the scale they really were. They had a clinical ladder back when nobody had a clinical ladder, and they really encouraged you to move forward in your career in nursing, as well as doing the best you could in the job you were at. So it was really a very, a wonderful place to start a career and um, made some lifelong friendships there too. Yes, awesome. It's interesting because my first oncology job was on an eight-one at oh, really? Hospital. Which hospital? <laughs> St. Francis Hospital. Oh yes, I worked there later. <laughs> <laughs> Connecticut. Yeah, I think that that's very, very, very interesting. And how long did you stay at the bedside before you transitioned out of the clinical setting? I stayed at Mount Sinai for four years, and then I moved down to um, Virginia, where I went to graduate school and um, worked in bone marrow transplant and hemonc down there. And um, then when I got my, my master's degree, I came back up to Massachusetts, and I worked as a clin spec for a while, a clinical nurse specialist. And then um, my kids were getting a little bit older. My husband had finished his school and he was going to go work full time. I ended up going back to bedside nursing over on 8-1 at St. Francis and um, worked there for a few years before I went into my current job. I think that's so interesting what you said. You were at bedside, left bedside, your life changed, went back to bedside. That's one thing I love about nursing. I mean, there's so much yes. flexibility there and we can always go back to the bedside. It's it's so true. And it's you need a little bit more <laughs> warming up sometimes <laughs> once you've been away from it for a while, but it it really is. It kind of brings you it's kind of like coming home when you go back to the bedside and you're you're there with the patient in the middle of the night and and stuff again. You're like, yeah, that's why I went into this and it's a nice feeling. Yeah. Well, I always say nothing can take the place of taking care of patients. Nothing. So true. Take the place of that. And I also think just being in non-traditional roles, that's really our foundation, right? Mm -hmm. So we really build off of what we learn and what we experience in the clinical setting. And it definitely helps. I I would say even for me, you know, being in a non-traditional role definitely helps me in my everyday job. Yes. I was, I was just thinking that as you were saying it, um, it really, by having that experience at the bedside, it helps you be a better educator, a better nurse practitioner, you know, better in your future role, because you understand what the patients are going through, and you understand what your colleagues are going through as they take care of them. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to get your opinion on this, on new nurses who are getting out of nursing school and going back to school for their NP degree when they have even less than a year of clinical practice. What do, what's your thoughts on that? I, I really like to see people get a little bit more experience before they go on to a graduate degree. Um, because of that foundation, um, having a couple of years at least, I'm, my, my ideal is three or four years at least of working at the bedside before moving on to a, a more advanced role or a different role. And it's because you need to build up those skills of, of timing, of juggling, of understanding every time you think about um, someone who's studying, say, for certification in oncology. Um, if you're studying for certification, the best way to study, in my mind, is to think about cases and to think about, oh, that patient, I remember he came in with oat cell CA of the lung, and this is what his symptoms were. He was diagnosed with SIADH, so now I remember what is SIADH, what is oat cell of the lung, you know, and it really, it makes it all come together for you. And if you don't have those experiences, it's a lot more challenging. Yes, absolutely. And I always think of the critical thinking skills that mm. we utilize on a day-to-day -day basis as nurses. And when I was in my nursing program in undergrad, you know, my professor stressed that critical thinking, critical thinking, like over and over and over again. And it's so true because it's really a life skill. <laughs> it is. It is. Not only a nursing skill, but critical thinking is essential. And it takes time to really build that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so definitely agree with that. So can you tell us how you, um, you know, started your current position working with the Oncology Nursing Society and exactly what do you do? Um, well, I, I responded to an email that I got one day. <laughs> I was on the email list. I had, I had been an ONS member for ages, you know, especially as a clinical nurse specialist and drawing on all the tools and everything. And um, I had gone back to bedside nursing and I was working at St. Francis and I, I was ready to move on to something else. I really loved the clinical nurse specialist role. That was my ideal role but there weren't any jobs around. And sometimes CNS roles are like that. And um, so I received an email one day that full-time telecommuters would be considered. And because ONS is located in Pittsburgh and I didn't want to move at the time. And um, so I applied and interviewed and they flew me in for an interview at the time we could travel. <laughs> Um, and then I, I got the job and it was so intimidating because I felt like I, I was talking with someone shortly after I started and there was, it was a nurse and a non-nurse that I was talking with and the nurse that I was talking with, she said, you don't understand when you work for something like ONS, it feels like you've, you've gone to the mountaintop and here you are, you don't want to mess it up. <laughs> and that, that's the thing that's so intimidating is you've got this place that has a really good reputation and I don't want to mess that up. So that, that was, it was exciting though. And it, it was such an honor to, to start working there. And the thing that has been so amazing for me is the connections with our colleagues um, 
And that's why it's so intimidating because all of these articles that I've read after over the years, the the books that are edited by these people and stuff, and then you meet these nurses that you've that you've held in such high regard, and they're just normal people, and they're like talking with you and joking with you and saying what books have you read lately and you know just wonderful things and they're they're such incredible people our colleagues are and um so i've i've had such a pleasure working with them but i i work in the role of it's called an oncology clinical specialist and it's kind of like a clinical nurse specialist but um, rather than overseeing care of the patients, we're overseeing care of our fellow nurses, and we're making sure that they have what they need to succeed in their roles and to help take care of cancer people with cancer as best they can. So um, I help to develop different resources, educational opportunities, and so forth um, that ONS puts out. No, that is awesome. You said a couple of things that I want to touch on. One is the nurse leaders who you, you know, see, and it's kind of like, oh my God, your name was in a book. You were the author of a book I read, but we can always bond with them back to the basics, right? Bedside. Absolutely. (laughs) And what it comes down to is you're still, you're caring about people that are dealing with cancer and coping with cancer and you're doing the best you can and you have these wonderful role models to help you do that. Yeah, absolutely. And it just shows that that foundation of bedside, it can take you so far, right? So I mean, you don't have to be a quote unquote leader by title in the field, but you can still have such an impact. And so true. The second thing I want to touch on is that ONS, you have a national impact on oncology nurses, which is amazing going from this local hospital where you're working as a nurse or a clinical nurse leader to this national impact. How was that for you? That it's also intimidating when you start. <laughs> um, you, we receive um, what we call clinical calls and clinical emails. And um, so people write into ONS and they, they ask, what does ONS say about this particular procedure and and so forth. And then it's our job to look it up in our resources and stuff and provide that answer. As a clinical nurse specialist, when you're working on the unit um, and someone asks you something, yes, you go to the literature, but also you start to figure it out with the individual and you, you problem solve and do that critical thinking together in the moment as you're taking care of patients. Well, when you're working for a national organization, you can't even give like your own opinion. It has to be all what's in the book. So it's like you've got to know the resources really well in order to say, you know, not to just say, oh, let's try this, because you can't just try that. You have to go only with what's in the resources. So um, that was a bit of a transition when I first started. Yeah, I could imagine. I could imagine. And um, you also said something about being an ONS member. Mm. Can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of being connected in that manner to an organization like ONS? Yeah, especially a lot of people, when they think of ONS, they don't think about the national organization. They do, they do for the journals and books and stuff. But for, I would say, the bulk of ONS members, it's their local chapter that really makes a difference because that's where you're reaching out to people who do the same thing that you do day after day, and they really understand what you're going through and what your experiences are. And 
and where your challenges are too and how to problem solve those challenges. Um, I remember the very first time I went to an ONS Congress, it was out in San Francisco and to walk into the opening ceremonies with thousands of people that do the same thing and have the same struggles that you do day after day. Um, it's not like when you go somewhere and you're talking to lay people and they say, oh, you work with people with cancer, you know, it, that must be so depressing. And But you're meeting thousands of nurses at once that are saying, no, we're not depressed. We're having a great time. <laughs> so it it really it puts it into perspective when you do get to meet those colleagues and, and be able to grow in your career, be able to expand things that are of interest to you, because it was a, a fellow nurse who inspired me to go and get my master's degree. It was a fellow nurse who inspired me to go and go to school to work toward my doctorate. So it really, we learn from one another and we support one another. Yeah, I remember my first oncology ONS Congress. It was, I can't even really describe the feeling, but I just feel, I felt like so empowered. Like yes. I wanted to do more, be more, collaborate, network. Uh, it, it was very uh, empowering. And I always encourage people to, you know, get with the organization, whether you're an ER nurse, whether you're a surgical nurse, a neonatal nurse, an oncology nurse, it's so important to be connected. I agree um, you know, to an organization and opportunities come up, you know, like you said, these uh, nurses inspired you, um, you were on the email list, you, you were able to, um, you know, get the opportunity to work for a national organization like that doesn't happen every day, right? No, no, it really is. It's, it's just the opportunity to meet people and all of that was because I was a, a member and in a chapter and, and things like that. Yeah. And what nursing skills do you utilize in your everyday role working for a national organization? Do you oh, use any of your nursing skills? You do. You draw on all of them. It's just a little bit different, you know, and I'm more in a role of an educator. So assessment and seeing where people are at, trying to identify what their needs are, um, creating some type of educational program that they can be engaged in and really learn from and benefit from. So just like you would teach a patient um, assessing what their needs are and what their learning level is and everything, it's the same type of thing. It's just working at, at with a different population, so to speak. Yes. No. Awesome. And if there's someone listening right now, Chris, who's interested in following your footsteps, what's the first thing they can do if they're a new nurse, they're not connected to an organization? What are some other things they can do in their career right now to possibly, um, you know, get into a role like the one you're, you're in right now? I think the, the day that I first learned the word networking, I'm like, what is this networking stuff people are talking about? And then I started to meet people and then you start talking with other people and, and so forth. And I would say, get to know your colleagues, you know, learn from one another. That's, it's the best way to do it. And, and always keep your, um, your interest in that lifelong learning. So you're always expanding your, your own mind, your, you're learning from one another and you're supporting what you're doing with, with research and literature and everything. No, awesome. And I know we have a lot of uh, student nurses who listen to the podcast. Any advice for them? 
I would say just keep learning. Don't don't punish yourself if you feel like you're not getting it fast enough or something like that. Give yourself a break. Let yourself learn from an opportunity. Um, try to take care of the biggest variety of patients that you can so that you can learn from every single one of them. Patients give back to you as much as you give to them. And it is so rewarding. Awesome. Yes. And also a lot of organizations like ONS, they have student memberships. So. Oh, yes. Yes. ONS has a, has a free student membership. And as part of that student membership, you also receive um, like the Cancer Basics course free of charge. And um, then there's a discount membership once you're early career. So definitely worth it. Um, get it on your resume. It, it's nice to be able to say, hey, I've already, I've reached out on my own initiative to have this extra experience and um, extra knowledge. Yeah, awesome. So Chris, before we wrap up, I do want to take you through a rapid fire, but can you tell our audience um, where they can connect with you if they have questions about anything you're doing? Absolutely. You can always connect with us at um, ons.org. Um, my own email would be kaylafave at ons.org. Um, or you, if you're a member, you can definitely send in a clinical email, join the discussion forums. Um, there's also a student nurse discussion forum if that appeals to you. I'm, I'm always there. <laughs> so Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris. So we'll go through our quick rapid fire. I'm so excited. Uh, so Chris, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, to complete these sentences or answer the question. Okay. So wellness means? Taking a breath. <laughs> yes. I know I'm stressed when? I realize I haven't breathed in a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're, you're suddenly turning, you go. <sighs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> and I think I know the answer to this one, but my go-to stress management solution is? Oh gosh, we just got a new puppy. I have to say, I have to go with the puppy route. <laughs> That's so therapeutic. I the animals are just oh. Oh my goodness, pet therapy. I I've got nothing but raves about it. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, something people get wrong about me is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that you know. you get, right? That <laughs> that I, I stay up late. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I had a belly laugh was probably last weekend when my kids were around. <laughs> That's awesome. And the last question is one thing I learned about myself during this pandemic was how important it is to be outdoors to take some time to get outdoors. And I, I know I, I said, you have to breathe. I, my, my husband laughs at me because there's a, there's a small hiking trail, not too far from here. And, and we go up to the top and it's called Blueberry Hill. And you can see literally for miles and miles. And I say, I like to stand up here and just breathe. And especially during the pandemic, it's so important to get in touch with nature and get in touch with the people that you love and you care about and make sure that you're centered again. Great. Well, Chris, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Greatly appreciate it and hope to have you back soon. 
Thanks so much for having me, Wendy. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a seven-day mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.